you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the host of this podcast and also the founder of CoveyClub.com, which I hope you'll go check out for all of its great information about reinvention. And for the group of women that we hook you up with who will help you on your reinvention, if that's what you need. I am so excited to bring to you today, Kelly Moore and what I'm so thrilled is that she's out there speaking her truth about what happened to her in the world of sports. She was high flying in the world of sports and it basically came to an end because she spoke openly about a sexual assault. And of course, how she was treated is just appalling. And she had to reinvent herself because of that. And I know a lot of us are afraid to speak about these issues and there are consequences. Our society still does not want to believe women and still wants to ignore these facts, but she bravely spoke out and left her 15 year um, award-winning sports television career. And she also had a uh, chronic illness that she was working on and she's moved into a different area much like cubby where she is supporting women in their own self-discovery process and she has a couple of shows called the naked mama and okay babe and she says i lead women in their journeys of intimacy motherhood and clearing old stories and beliefs to step into who they are becoming She's also the co-founder and CEO of a podcast network called Soul Fire Productions. So without any more than that, I'm going to turn you over to Kelly Moore. Hi, Kelly. So fabulous to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks for having me. So let's talk a little bit about you. I always love to start with where did you grow up and what did you think you would be doing? What were you set out to do? Yeah. So I grew up in Temecula, California. It's between LA and San Diego. Um, And I was a volleyball player my entire life. Um, And so that's really where I spent most of my time. And I ended up at USC co-captaining the volleyball team. Um, also knew that I wanted to be at USC in Los Angeles to give me access to be on TV. I wanted to be a TV host since I was like 10 years old. And so I spent all this time um, really getting good within my internships and gaining access within the industry and ended up being uh, hired by ESPN and Fox Sports right after I graduated from college. And I worked in that industry for about 15 years and that was, that was it for me. I was like, I have made it. Um, you know, if I could be on sports center, good morning America and make my way into entertainment, that would be the absolute dream life, dream job. Um, and I ended up leaving that career after 14 or 15 years, my last job being with the Lakers and the Dodgers and my life looks very different now. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. What an incredible start. And that you actually were able to move on the thing that you dreamed of doing and got there. That's incredible. Thank so you. what made, what made you leave? Yeah. You know, it was a lot of things. I, um, I don't like sports, so that's what, <laughs> what I'm sitting here talking And I am not a sports person. I am like the person I went to Duke and people are like, they come to me and they go, so, Hey, how about the devils? And I'm like, 
the what? Yeah, the who? <laughs> they, they can't believe that I'm not interested. So you can't be and have had that career. What? I know it's crazy, right? I mean, I think a part of it is that I was an athlete and so I just see it from an athlete's perspective and I see the way sports were covered and it's a lot of BS and it's just not genuine or authentic. Um, I also saw it from being the reporter inside the locker room or the clubhouse and how annoying we had to be with all of the players and just how kind of surface level the conversations were. Um, and I don't know. I just, I think that I viewed it from a different perspective, especially after, you know, quote unquote, meeting your heroes. I got to yes. learn about who these people actually were and yes. the, the pedestals that we put them on. And I just, I started to see the reality of this world and, um, was a part of it in a much different way. I also saw how toxic it was. I was a young woman in my twenties mm. in a male dominated culture and I dealt with sexual assault and, oh. I didn't feel good about myself. I was very much, you know, the young, hot girl um, and received a lot of validation and attention for that. And so it really skewed the idea and perception within myself of my own value and my own worth in the world. And I really didn't think highly of myself. Um, and so I left that career because of the sexual assault, because of the lack of value and worth I felt within myself. And also I had chronic illness this entire time over those 14, 15 years, I was very, very ill. And I think the flags of my body trying to talk to me saying, this is toxic. You hate this life. You're people pleasing. You're living a life for other people. You're not aligned with who you actually want to be and where you want to go. Um, and I think I finally was able to listen to my body and realize that there were a lot of different factors and variables going on telling me you have to pivot. Otherwise, you just will not survive this. Jeez, Louise. Oh, my goodness. I am so sorry. And it's so... I'm so glad you're honest about how these things look from the outside and how they really are from the inside, because I'm sure that that's a shock to a lot of people. I understand what you're talking about because I ran women's magazines for 40 years and um, it ain't what it looks like. The, the celebrities are not what they look like. Nothing is what it looks like. And I'm, I don't know anything about the world of sports, but I'm not surprised to hear you say that though I am. Cause I thought maybe it's different, <laughs> Yeah, but it's not. So, wow. That's, and so you really had that thing going where everybody thought you had it made. Do you yes. want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, was that a business thing that happened? Was, do you talk about the sexual assault at all? Was it you know, through business or personal thing? Yeah. So it was, um, it was with a colleague and a really good friend of mine, um, and it was really difficult. Obviously, I was very taken aback and in shock. And, yeah. um, you know, I stayed quiet about it for quite a long time because you know that in this industry, if you come forward, oh my you're goodness, get your oh, ass kicked. <laughs> right. Of course. Did. What, made I, you, what made you finally talk about it? Yeah. You know, um, when the Harvey Weinstein stuff actually came out, that's when I realized that I had to speak. I, I was watching TV the day everything broke on the news mm -hmm. and I saw these really, you know, powerful, famous forward and saying how they had been treated and how horrible it was. And I, I started to think about, I think I was 27 at the time. I started to think about myself and my situation and I thought, oh my God, I didn't know I could say something. 
oh my God, I didn't know that this was not okay in that way and that other people were dealing with it. You know, I think as young women, we're, we are always in that position of, oh, it must just be me. It's just That's me. That's right. It's my fault. Yeah. Correct. And I didn't realize that there were all these women in many industries across the world dealing with this kind of uh, experience and behavior. And I called my mom that day and I, and, you know, she had known what had happened. I had called her the morning after. Um, but I called her and I said, I didn't know I could say anything. And she's like, yeah, of course you can. And and I, I started to think about it. And that's when I started to take steps to come forward. I ended up coming forward um, and I was on every news station. It was this whole thing. We had a press conference and I mean, everyone, you know, stopped talking to me. I had to leave the industry, uh... which was fine for me. I knew I didn't want to be in it anyway, but that's why I stayed quiet. And that's why so many of my friends and colleagues continue to stay quiet to this day. The day after I came forward and it was everywhere and everyone found out, I received hundreds and hundreds of messages from women in the industry saying, I've been raped. I've been oh, assaulted. I've had these goodness. experiences. I don't feel like I could come forward because I'm going to lose my job. And, you know, thank you for speaking up, but also oh, like, I'm going to stay quiet. And it was really sad to me because I realized that you know, I was, it was rare for someone to come forward, obviously, and speak up. But I saw the way my whole world, you know, co collapsed and crumbled in that industry. No one talks to me. I think I have a producer and a, a host that still talked to me. Everyone else just completely uh, ignored me and, and moved on from me. And and I would never be able to get a job in, in television, especially in sports after that. But I was okay with that because for me, standing up for myself and, and asking for and, and taking care of myself for the very first time was way more important than any paycheck or any attention or career that I could have had because, I mean, it's just not worth it. <laughs> oh, Kelly, I'm giving you through through Zoom, I'm giving you a big hug and a, a big, you know, I'm so glad you did come out and talk because unless we do, it will not change. Exactly. And that's, I mean, I can't tell you how many people in my business had the same issues and people who I had no idea had those issues. And it was over me too, that, um, they started to talk about them, things that had happened in college even, and, uh, no one, no one wants to talk. That's the big problem. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now and why you're doing it <laughs> yeah. and what it yeah. is. You know, you know, when I left television, I had about six months that I didn't work um, and I was on the couch every day and I was contemplating life as we all do as we make big transitions. Okay, I burnt this to the ground. Now what? And I knew that so much of me had to die and I had to let go of all of these old and patterns um, and ways of being that had kept me operating in very much fight or flight and survival, um, the people pleasing, the need for attention and validation, the need to live a life based on what other people's expectations were, um, the need to, you know, constantly climb that mountain and get the gold star and the pat on the back that all those parts of me really needed to die. And I, I don't know that I knew every aspect of that, but I just knew something's got to change and it has to be drastic. And so 
during that time, I, I really sat with myself and I asked myself hard questions. And that's really when I started to get into personal development and spirituality and really getting connected with my own voice rather than just all of the noise and chaos and opinions of everyone around me. Um, and I started to ask myself, like, what really makes me happy? What am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? What lights me up? And what I realized is that after living in working in a space with almost all men for most of my life, I really wanted sisterhood. I really wanted community. I was craving it so deeply. And after being bullied and having poor relationships with girls my entire life, and I was the best volleyball player. And so everyone hated me. And then I resented everyone. And it was just like a whole thing. I realized, okay, I'm an adult now and I get to rewrite this story and it doesn't need to competitive. It doesn't need to be this cutthroat experience the way I lived it in sports and television with other women. So what does that look like? And so I started to cultivate real deep sisterhood and community. And I started to put myself out there and I started to reach out to women and say, Hey, can we get coffee? I feel like we have a lot in common. And I just started to make real friends in that space. And in that time, I also realized, okay, I'm really great at interviewing people. This is, you know, the thing I've done for so long and I really enjoy it. I'm a very curious person. I love going in depth with people. So what can I do? And at the time, I was also healing from that chronic illness and working doctors finally. And so I started my podcast. It was called The Platform back then. It was five years ago. And the whole premise of the show was community, sisterhood, and healing from chronic illness and all of these different, you know, mysterious things that happen. Um, with alternative medicine and having conversations and creating resources for women so that they know that there are other options. They know there are, there's more out there for them than what they have seen and had access to. And as soon as I started doing that, as soon as I started having these conversations and sharing my process, my soul just lit up and I knew this is the path for me. And ever since then, I've basically been building upon that. And so my show has gone through many iterations. It's called the naked mama. Now I'm, yes, I'm a mom so now <laughs> I uh -huh. have old baby. Um, and so it's very much the similar kind of concept. It's sisterhood, it's community, it's asking better questions. It's seeing what else is possible for us outside the box. It's creating resources for growth and self-awareness um, and really taking radical responsibility for our lives so that when we do go after that reinvention, when we do go after everything that we deeply desire and want, we have the support system that so many of us really need and are craving. Um, and alongside the podcast, I also created our production company. It's called Soulfire Productions, and we produce about 30 podcasts. Um, and work with content creators um, in every aspect of their business and content creation and strategy and all of that. Um, and most of our clients and team are women, which is really exciting for me. So I've really created a culture and a life that is super supportive of, you know, my own growth, but also to give women platforms and spaces to work together and to grow and really to shift the narrative and paradigm around what it means to be a woman and be in community. Oh my God. I'm so happy to hear you say that. And I'm so sorry you had such a bad start with women. Mm. That's really, that breaks my heart really. Cause I know those, that side of women, but I grew up only with women. Practically. I went to <laughs> girls schools. I ended up working in a woman's industry. So there were very few men, there were men at the top, but all the bottom was mostly women. Um, so I know both sides, but you can find 
um, the good people, they do exist. There are a lot of mean girls. Um, You have to weed those out and get to the people that really matter. But I love this. I mean, you sound like you're kind of like, you know, Covey Club in a way, um, maybe for like a a crowd that's a little bit um, not as uh, advanced in their career, maybe sort of mid-career kind of people, which is fantastic. I love it because I wish more people would come together earlier. And what I find is a lot of my, um, my, uh, people who come to the members who come to Covey club are in their forties or fifties, and they've spent a lot of time doing stuff they may not have loved. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting for it to get better. And they don't, they don't really have it getting better. So I like the idea that it can get better earlier. I think that's very smart. Yeah. You know, I think it is really interesting. I I look at my parents and they kind of just did things because you needed to have a steady paycheck and a job and life insurance and a house with a picket fence. And it was a lot of box checking. And I think that at least what I'm seeing within my clients and my listeners is this generation has the ability to say, I don't actually just want to check boxes. There's something else out there for me. Um, And I feel like there's a a pendulum swing happening where we get to ask those better questions. We get to actually focus on what do I want to do? Not what do I think I'm supposed to do? And I think that a lot of us have seen the way generations ahead of us, our parents, our grandparents on and on have lived and haven't been fulfilled and have ended up, you know, dying and just not happy or saying, I wish I had done this. Or if, you know, if I could go back in time. And I think that we're all realizing we don't want to get to that point in our lives and say, damn, I wish I had. And so I think we're sort of taking drastic measures to look at our lives and say, this ain't it. Something else has to be available to me and I'm willing to sort of burn it down. Um, I'm willing to give up a lot of these, you know, false narratives security and, um, you know, having a nine to five that my parents approve of, because what do I have to lose? And I think that it's really important to have those conversations like you're saying, and so that people know that it's okay to do this. It's okay to push yourself outside the box, put outside the box, push boundaries and open yourself up to other possibilities and not just keep checking boxes within your life, because what does that actually do for you? Right. Well, yes. And, and a lot of us um, had to check the boxes. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, that was all that was available. Right. It was, um, you know, we, we, we came in right after it's sort of the groundbreakers who, you know, opened up the territory to even get into the men's clubs of any sort or the men's businesses. And we followed. And a lot of those women were not helpful. They, you know, they had a, they had a groundbreak and they looked behind them and said, well, you have to groundbreak too. I'm not going to help you. It was not a very collegial group. And right. I think my group were, were just so happy to get a job. Like right. it was like, oh, wow, we'll take anything. We'll let you do anything to us. Cause we're just so ecstatic. And, um, then I think that, you know, the generation below has said, wait a minute, <laughs> there's got to be more than that. And I think that's really smart. And I think, you know, everybody, um, you know, who's in senior management complains about the younger generation, you know, not having, um, you know, an idea of hanging with the businesses for very long and moving on when they don't get what they want. And I actually think that's much more healthy. 
I think my generation, we hung in there. We kept hanging in there, waiting. You know, we had no chill. Where were we going to go, right? You had a bad boss. You had a sexually abusing boss. You didn't say anything. You just stuck it out. This is what we did. We didn't feel like there was any other solution. And I love the fact that you're out there and that you're helping people say, no, there's something else better. And what do you find that that women are looking for? What do you what do you see? And especially after COVID, I would think that after COVID, with sort of the way that careers are going now, where you can have much more flexibility, there was no flexibility when I had babies. You had to be back in the office. I had one boss who called me when I was on the table, and these were before cell phones at my OBGYN. <laughs> oh. Can you believe it? No. Yes. So <laughs> what besides, you know, or what are the challenges with the flexibility? What do you guys find? What are you looking for? Yeah. You know, I think that women are just really in a place. Um, and I, I think this is men too, but I think we're in a place where we're reevaluating what really makes us happy and what drives us. And I don't think paychecks are, are doing their job that they used to. I don't think it's enough anymore. I think especially our generation is really focused on how can I do something that not only fulfills me, but brings me pleasure and allows me to have more of a balance. I don't know that I necessarily believe in like the work-life balance, but I think more balance in life to where this idea of grinding and hustle culture, where we drive ourselves into the ground, how many people are just sick and feel terrible and are overweight and don't have time to work out and don't have time to eat healthy. And they're literally just surviving every day. And I think we're looking at that and saying, this is not okay. This, this, this is not sustainable. And you can tell because look at how many people are really ill in many, many ways. And a lot of that being chronic illness, we have this systemic inflammation from the bad food that we're eating, from the lack of movement, from being stuck in offices. And I think COVID brought forward this idea of there is a different way. We can work from home. We can work less hours and actually be more productive and have these really fulfilling, beautiful lives where we're out in nature or we're spending more time with yeah. friends or we're connecting in deeper ways because we're not stuck in an office really on Facebook most of the day, but pretending we're working so that we can clock in and clock out. I right. think this whole like robotic nature of life has mm -hmm. really taken a toll and people are calling BS on it and saying, no, this, this is not it. This is not sustainable and this is not actually filling us and making the world a better place. Everyone's just miserable. Um, and so I, that my audience is constantly coming forward and talking about this idea of, I desire so much more. I just don't know how to get there. I don't know what the first step is mm -hmm. within their relationships or with themselves or their careers. How do I get the confidence? How do I get, gain that fierceness that I once had to choose myself, to stand up for myself and to ask for more, to know that I deserve it and that I am worthy and that I don't just have to fall under someone is rule and follow their rules and be the good girl anymore. I, I talk about this all the time because I was the perpetual good girl. I got straight A's. I was the best athlete. I was, you know, sat front of the class, teacher's pet, followed every rule there was in television. And I got my ass handed to me and it just was never worth it. And so I think so many women are saying, I don't want to be a good girl. I don't want to follow the rules. I want to actually make my own rules. I want to curate a life that feels good to me and not do what everyone else tells me to do. I was such a good girl that I finally had a mentor 
who ran a magazine, bigger magazine than me, but she, she would, she finally said to me, you need to reach down inside and find your inner bad girl. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I was really, I was such a doobie. I'm like one of those, you throw the ball and I go get it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's um, it's not healthy and it's not good. I'm shocked that it's still going on at all, but it's good. It sounds like you're helping people recognize when they're doing that and that that may not be healthy for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you agree with this. You had a mentor. I had some really amazing mentors, men and women who took good care of me and, and opened my eyes and were really a huge reason why I left the industry to begin with. If we don't have mentors or people who are a little further along on the path to bring this forward and to actually speak truth to what's going on, we never know that it's even possible to not be the good girl. I had Mm -hmm. no clue until people started asking me questions and showing me the way. And I started actually listening to podcasts and I found resources and women who were my industry who were saying, You can think outside the box. You can be different. You can go after what you want. You can say no. Like you can say no. I had no idea you could say no to anything. I was such a yes girl. Oh, yeah, whatever Um, you want. And I think that it's really our responsibility. And I take that very seriously to pave the way and to have those conversations and to say, hey, that's not okay. And you can say no, and you can go after this thing and no one else can tell you how to live your life because it's yours. And you get to take ownership of your entire experience and change paths and reinvent and become whoever the hell you want to be. And no one can tell you that that's not okay. But we don't know that's even possible unless people like us speak up and give that, you know, option to the younger generation. Right. Exactly. No, I, I hear you. I hear that. And, um, I was the yes girl as well. (laughs) I can't believe it's like, it makes me mad that we still have to fight this same battle, but I guess, you know, it may probably goes on for a while though. I, I feel like, um, I feel like the twenties, do you think that the the girls in their early twenties are different? Do you feel like they've gotten the message that they don't have to be people pleasers as much, or do you not see a difference? No, I really do. I think that that, you know, I'm 35. And so my audience is really early twenties into mid forties. And it's funny. I see these younger women come in and gosh, they are so bold and so brave and they are willing to go after what they want. And I'm over here with, you know, us, us girls in our mid thirties, like trying to re uh, repattern all of this and say, right. Hey, I want to be more like the 22 year old over yeah. there who's come yeah. in and just brave and doesn't care. She just doesn't yeah, care they about care. They care anyone. Less. Yeah, yeah. They don't care about other people's opinions or beliefs. Yeah. They don't care about like fitting in. It's really how much can you stand out? How different can you be? And I think that there's something so cool about that, that being different is actually really, um, something to strive for and to stand out. And it allows you to lead in such a different way and to, you know, be a big voice in a lot of noise um, rather than, oh, let me just stay small and be like everyone else and just make sure Mm -hmm. I fit in. I think that's where a lot of us have been, you know, um, unlearning these patterns over the last five to 10 years. And I see these young people coming in and I'm like, 
wow, you guys really have it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> Can I learn from you? Yeah, exactly. that's the same thing. I learn a lot from my daughter. She's in her 20s. I, do, I learn a lot. Yeah. And the girls around her, they're very tough and they're they're taking no crap from anybody. I love it. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about if somebody's listening and they've gone through a major transition like you, where they've decided that this thing that they wanted, that they achieved career-wise their whole life, they've got it all, but it's not what it's cracked up to be, or there's some crisis looming there. What what sort of tips and tricks can you offer? I mean, what did you have to do? Did you have to get coaching? Did you go into therapy? What did you do to get through that transition and find the other side? Because that's always the hard part. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think anytime you can get support um, from people that are not emotionally invested necessarily in you, I think that's the absolute best. So therapy, working with coaches, doing group programs, anywhere where you can be really supported, but also called up and called forward in your life and held responsible and, 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 who can help you point out maybe the holes or where things are missing for you so that you can really take time for self-reflection and focus on yourself. I think that's really important. It's something I've done a ton over the last, you know, five, 10 years is, is getting support and learning how to ask for help and knowing that Mm. I don't have to do it on my own. So I think that's really the first part. I think the second part and the thing that has helped me the most, and I will continue to shout this from the rooftops is radical honesty and utilizing journaling to do so. Um, For me, just writing things down and getting them out of my body was such a huge part of my transition. And it continues to be every time I reinvent myself because what it allows for me to do is we create a lot of stories in our head about the what ifs and, oh, they won't like this, or they're not going to like me if I say this thing, or if I admit I'm this way, or if I'm too big or I'm too bright, so-and-so is not going to want to be my friend. Whatever our stories are, those just get stuck inside of us. And we let that sort of control us. That becomes our operating system. And what I have found within myself and my clients is that the more we can journal, the more we can get this stuff, these old beliefs out of our bodies and onto paper, the more Mm -hmm. we can release ourselves from them. We are freeing ourselves from these old patterns and beliefs that oftentimes are not ours. They're given to us by our parents or our teachers or just society in general, things that we take on and start to make our own. And so I love this idea of journaling and getting it out. And then from there, starting to have really radical, honest, radically honest conversations with yourself. So what that looks like is when you notice yourself reacting a certain way or choosing something, pausing and asking yourself why why am I making this choice? Why is this my operating system? Why do I believe that? And what I found is that so much of what I was doing was based on things that I had been told, not things that I actually really believed in. And so I started to of everyone else's voice. And I started to learn how to hear myself. And that pause is really crucial because it allows you to just take a beat and ask yourself, where's this coming from? Why am I doing this? And when you start to notice either, I have no idea, I didn't come up with this or, oh, my mom used to do this thing and I'm just doing it because she did. Then you start Mm -hmm. to notice where are you and where are your parents and what is that line and how can you start to to write your own story? How can you start to make decisions for yourself? And that 
really allows you to create a life based on your own terms, based on your own beliefs. And it takes time and this is not an overnight thing, but I think practicing in that way, that is what allows us to truly reinvent ourselves in a way that is so on purpose and so aligned with who we actually are and who we want to become rather than what we think we're supposed to be. Right. And I, I hate to tell you this, but even after 25 years of doing all the therapy and everything myself, I still hear my parents' voices in my Mm -hmm. head. I just, but the good thing is now I can identify them. So, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lifetime of work. Um, it doesn't go away. It's not like they go away and stop talking to you, but when it happens, you can say, that doesn't sound like me. (laughs) Who is that? (laughs) And you know, that's, what's good is you can identify and then say, let go of that. That's not for me. That's wonderful. So Kelly, where can people find you? Um, and where can they follow you? Yeah, I am on Instagram at Kelly T. Moore. You can check out my website, kellymoore.co. My company is soulfireproductionsco.com. Wonderful, Kelly. Thank you so much. And again, I just want to say, you know, as a woman in business, I'm so sorry that you went through what you went through. And I'm hoping that we're going to get to the point where these things don't happen to women in business anymore. It's a disgrace and we need to get past this. And I hope we will. And, and, and thank you for speaking up because it's really important that people know this happens and so they can protect themselves and also hold other people accountable. So thank you very much. Amazing. Thank you. I appreciate you. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast with Kelly. I hope you learned something. And I hope that if you know anybody who's been through what Kelly's been through, you will encourage them to speak out and speak up. Even if it was a long time ago, it's so important that we all share the truths of our lives so that it will end. We've got to end this. And we have to allow women to go into the workplace without worrying about assault. And I am so grateful that you like the podcast. Please follow us. And if you do like us, give us a review on Apple Podcasts that helps other people find us and give us some stars as well. And again, hurry over to coveyclub.com and check out all our reinvention information for you. And again, if you would like to have a great posse of women who are very accomplished, who are smart and know what they're doing to help you along in your reinvention, please join us. You get to join us on a monthly basis or yearly basis, and you get the first month free. Check it out. You don't like us? Just hit the cancel button. (laughs) You don't have to worry. And um, we would love to see you over there. And uh, here I am until next time. See you then.